At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. It is hour number two of the look ahead with myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got a tremendous hour for you as we're going to be joined by a pair of great guests. Sean Zarilla does a great job taking a look at Major League Baseball. Over there at Action Network, he's going to be joining me in about 45 minutes, 8.45 p.m. Pacific Time, Eastern Time, 11.45. And David Behrman, in about 15 minutes at 8.15 p.m. Pacific Time, he is going to be joining me. So we're going to have some fun chatter there as Behrman does a great job of being able to take a look at golf as well. I know that he's been able to do a nice job of being able to hit some long shots there. So we're going to ask him a little bit about that. Might wind up asking him a little bit about baseball as well as we're going to be hitting upon that. A lot in this hour, and it is official that Kale McCarr winds up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. I wound up seeing him just wind up hoisting up a big giant trophy. So, congratulations to him. If you wind up taking him in the futures market, you do wind up getting the cash with McCarr. And maybe you're taking a look at Sunday Night Baseball now, three to three in the tenth inning. And raise your hand if you had the under, and now it's in danger because you wind up having this stupid ghost runner rule. Boy, I mean, this is something that I could probably do like three hours on how the Ghost Runner is like the worst thing that has ever happened to professional sports in general. And now you can't simulate a result when it comes to Major League Baseball by putting a man on second with no outs. But I digress. Right now, we are going to be taking a look at what we're getting in terms of that a little bit later. But how about if we turn it over to Monday? Because... It's not a lot of betting opportunities remaining for Sunday, and this is a look at after all. And I wind up doing one of these write-ups for DK Nation every single day. And ironically enough, the one for Sunday is still hanging in the balance with the LA Dodgers money line. So I'll be sure to update you guys when we wind up getting a little bit more there. But with that said, we're going to be on to more of the heartland of America on Monday as we wind up going to Kansas City, 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board. It's going to be the Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K, Boobich is going to be going for the Royals. And Marty Perez is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being a favorite. Anywhere between minus 129 and minus 135. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Royals, you're finding them anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 124. A little bit of a slimmer card on Monday because this is a travel day for a lot of teams. So you're only going to be finding nine games as opposed to the 15 that we wound up seeing on Sunday. But... That said, I do think that you've got some relatively good value here with Texas. I'd be willing to lay more in the neighborhood about a minus 145 with them because Martin Perez has come out and he has been rock solid for this team. 
How about him being able to give up two runs or fewer and now 11 out of his last 12 starts? Meanwhile, he's going up against the Kansas City Royals team that among American League teams, they are dead last in terms of bullpen ERA. That is not necessarily too terrific. And you've got an interesting case in which you've got a Rangers team that has a little bit of a better record on the road than they do at home. They're 17 and 20 at home. Meanwhile, they're 17 and 17 on the road. And the Royals, they've been putrid at home. They are 13 and 23. Really, they've been bad all over the place. It doesn't matter if the Royals are at home. If they're on the road, you can send them to Planet Pluto. It has not been going too well for them. And Chris with K. Bubich, he has been chased in the first inning of two games already thus far this season. And remarkably, his 750, 741 ERA actually winds up going up whenever he's at home to a 778. He's giving up 6.9 walks per nine innings whenever he's at home. Overall, opponents are getting at 295 off of him. It's not necessarily been too trustworthy. And when you're backed up by the dead last bullpen in the big leagues, that's not necessarily going to be able to help you out. And I mentioned it in the last segment. You want to be trusting in some relatively solid bullpens. And the Texas Rangers don't have a number one bullpen or anything like that. But I mean, they're 10th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. If you take a look at it from, I would say, after the first three weeks of the season on, because it's a Rangers bullpen, that first two, first three weeks, they wound up having a little bit of tough go of it. Since that point, they've actually been one of the better bullpens, top eight in the big leagues as well. So they've been able to do a solid job now. The one thing that you do fear with the Texas Rangers is that this has been a little bit of a hit or miss offense. They wound up bringing in Marcus Simeon along with Corey Seager in the offseason. And for Corey Seager, he's been able to supply 15 home runs, but both of these guys are in between about a 225 to 230. Now, to be able to help out this offense, Adolis Garcia, who was an all-star last year, he has really picked it up. Nine home runs, hitting above at 310 over the last 30 days. This guy has been just absolutely on fire for this bunch. And you do take a look at what you're able to get a little bit further down the line. Someone like Nate Lowe has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. But you do want to be able to find just a little bit more in general in terms of the Texas Rangers offense. But when it comes to what you're able to get on the flip side for the Kansas City Royals, it's been a little bit rough with them as well. Bobby Wood Jr. has been able to pick it up over the last three days. He's been able to hit in the time span right around about at 265 to 270. But Salvador Perez has been dealing with a bunch of injuries. And this is just not a team that's doing a good job of being able to put back to ball. Among the 30 MLB teams out there, the Kansas City Royals, they're currently clocking in 26 with regards to home runs per game. Pretty much home and road. They are averaging right around 0.8 home runs per game. So, you don't have too much of a discrepancy there. Meanwhile, Texas, they actually find themselves sixth in the big leagues with regards to total home runs. So they've been able to do a solid job of being able to barrel things up, being able to put back to ball. And with regards to the Kansas City Royals as well, they're just coming in in relatively bad form as well. They wound up losing to a Oakland A's team on both Saturday and Sunday that prior to those two wins, they had been 4-22 and in their last 26 games. So... And it's not necessarily too much of a momentum booster, to say the least, for this bunch. Meanwhile, the Texas Rangers, they've been able to actually put together a little bit of solid baseball recently with Dennis Santana, Joe Barlow available in the bullpen. I think that that's going to be very beneficial for them. And Martin Perez, he should be able to go deep in this game as well because one thing that he's really done to allow him to be just so much better this season because he's got the Buck 96 ERA last season. That ERA was north of four while he was with the Boston Red Sox. What he has been able to do, cut down on the walks. Between the 2018 to 2020 seasons, he was given up right around 3.8 walks per nine innings. This season, that is one plummeting. That is more in the neighborhood about 2.2. So he's been able to do a nice job there. And he hasn't 
allowed the ball to leave the yard as well. A little bit over 87 innings has given up just two home runs. So my play here is going to be on the Texas Rangers. That is going to be officially the DK Nation pick and with the total, it is a little bit intriguing because you do have a Texas Rangers team that they do rely a little bit too much on the deep ball and it's a Royals team that they are certainly up and down with regards to their offense. Now, do I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression from giving up just two home runs and 87 innings for Martin Perez? Yes, I do, but I think that he'll probably be hovering right around his two-run surrender mark. I wound up saying my total a little bit north of the 8.5 that we're seeing right now. So I'm going to be taking a look at it and over, and my DK Nation pick is going to be on the money line of the Texas Rangers. This is a game that we wind up touching upon a little bit with our good friend Dave Tooley in our number one. How about if we wind up going with 903-904, the Miami Marlins are on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals with Adam Rainwright going for the Cardinals and Pablo Lopez. He's going to be on the bump for Miami, and Miami, they're finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog, anywhere between plus 115, and seeing as high as a plus 126 right now, meanwhile, you're going to be laying across the board anywhere between about a minus 126 to a minus 136 when it comes to St. Louis Cardinals, and if you still got the Cardinals, because I'm seeing in some spots them be right around a minus 125 favorite, I do think that you've got a little bit of value, and what I do think is a little bit concerning for the Miami Marlins in this case is Pablo Lopez has been a bit all over the place recently. He's given up four plus runs, and now two out of his last four starts and three out of his last seven. Lopez also did wind up taking a little bit of a line drive off the wrist. I would say about two weeks ago, he's made two starts since then. One wound up going relatively awful against the New York Mets. One wound up going relatively solid against Colorado Rockies, but when you wind up facing off against Colorado Rockies on the road, it's as if they get zapped of their batting powers when they wind up leaving Coors Field. So that's something that I always find to take a look at. And for the Miami Marlins, a big concern for me as well, the bullpen of this team. You've got someone in this bullpen by the name of Lewis Head who wound up having a 1-1-2 ERA entering into the month of June. It's now north of six. It has just went really bad for this Miami Marlins bullpen. They've got an ERA as a team that's north of 550 over the last 30 days out there in their bullpen. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm not going to say that this is a bullpen that is just complete nails or anything like that, but if you take out the innings that Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina have thrown, because I mean, those were just innings in which they were having fun with it. I think that it's very fair to say that it's not necessarily necess- representative of the bullpen that you're going to be able to get in this game. They've been able to do a relatively solid job. If you keep those innings in there, they're right around 13th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You take it out, they're hovering right around about a 3-5-ish in terms of that bullpen ERA. So I do think that that is something that you want to be taking a look at. You've got guys like a Genesis Carrera who's able to give you some relatively solid innings. And for Adam Wainwright, he has been able to do a good job of being able to cut down on the walks. Early part of the season, you could tell that he was a little bit rusty. Maybe it was just a little bit of the truncated spring training that wound up getting to him. But over the last six starts that he's made, he has given up just a combined seven walks. So he's been able to do a nice job there. And what the St. Louis Cardinals, this offense has been very good. Paul Goldschmidt, in my opinion, he needs to be getting some serious consideration for National League MVP as he has been able to supply 18 home runs. He's sitting right around a 340 north of a 400 on base, but it's not just him. Guys like Juan Yepes, Nolan Gorman that have been called up to the big leagues. Brendan Donovan is sitting above a 300. These guys have been absolutely terrific for the St. Louis Cardinals team, and typically the new Bush Stadium, it's not necessarily one of the most 
pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in the big leagues, but it certainly is not hitter-friendly. It's pretty much a neutral ballpark, but the St. Louis Cardinals have been able to do a good job of putting up runs there as 60% of their home games have wound up going over the total. The only better home ballparks this season to the over thus far this season have been New York, ironically enough, Miami, and also Cincinnati, where the Reds have been able to put up a whole bunch of runs, and you know, they've right now got the dead last bullpen area out there in the big leagues, but I do think that there's some worries for the Miami Marlins here, especially with the fact that the offense can be a little bit hit or miss. Jazz Shislam has been able to supply this team with right around 14 home runs, hitting about a 255. He's been able to do a solid job there, but I don't think that the Miami Marlins have the firepower that the St. Louis Cardinals do. And if you're still seeing right around, like I said, a minus 125, I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 128, minus 129. I do think that you've got a little bit of value here with the Cardinals and Seeing some of these totals stick up to 8 at an 8, that's where I would be beginning to take a look at the under. And coming up next, we're going to take a look at a little bit of golf, and we're going to be taking a look at just what we're getting in some of the ancillary markets to be able to bet in. David Behrman does a great job of that with ESPN Chuck, and he's going to be joining me next on The Look At right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and it is great to be joined by our guest as this man is the deputy editor over there at ESPN Chalk and does a great job in general of taking a look at so many markets, and I know that this man has been doing a very good job out there at being able to take a look at golf this season as well and to be able to follow David Behrman on Twitter. That is at ESPN and David, it is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Greg. Always a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me on this beautiful Sunday night. How are you doing? I am doing great, and I can tell you right now, you're doing relatively solid as well as you wound up being able to hit another nice little ticket out there on the golf links. And what has been going just so well for you in general when it comes to being able to handicap golf? Because I know that you've had quite a few outright winners. Justin Thomas a month ago was a nice little cash for you, and I know you've been doing just a great job in general being able to gauge all these guys with regards to just being able to take a look at things week in and week out. Yeah, it's a lot of factors. Uh, you know, I have a, a model that weighs a little bit of course history versus current form uh, versus metrics on the cur- the course that's coming up, which is, of course, was the Travelers this week. And while Xander Shoffley had not had much experience, less success at 
TPC River Highlands. He obviously was playing in great form, having uh, six consecutive top 20s coming into this week. Uh, I had said in the column on ESPN Chalk that Xander is basically being a, a human ATM. Anybody who has taken him in the top 20 over the last month and a half has cashed every single week. So I originally had taken Xander as a top 20 bet, um, and then I was actually at the course on Friday. It's, you know, about 10 minutes down the road. Uh, so I went there. I was walking the course with my wife. And we were watching Xander, and he just he looked like he was in that zone he looked like he, he was ready for that course, and he was playing so well that at that point on Friday, watching in person is when I jumped in on the outright to take him. It wasn't a pre-flop bet on Tuesday or Wednesday like I had on um, Rory McIlroy or Patrick Cantlay. Also had Brian Harmon, who wound up finishing T8. He was the guy that I had taken at 60-1. to 1. Uh, So looking at guys who had had success here or guys that had played well, um, and then mixing it with him with the, with, with the eye test. And, and and, you know, Greg, you don't get to say that a lot, that human eye test is something that, that you use to your advantage. But having gone to the course and having played it in the past and then watching it on Friday, uh, the eye test told me that Xander Shoffley was somebody that I wanted more than just a top 20. Um, I didn't get as good of a price as I would have gotten, obviously, if I had played him before he went out on Thursday and shot very, very well. Uh, but the way he was playing, well, to be honest, Rory looked the same at the time. And then Rory had the unfortunate snowman on the 12th hole on Friday that set him back. But overall, it was a great tournament. And yes, cash some some outrights on Xander, top 20 on him as well, and um and, and did fairly well with the head-to-head market on the weekend. I took two two on Friday, uh, played right there in person and and won them. But overall, it's been a good run. And then of course we have the Open Championship coming up. Yep, the Open Championship is going to be coming up in a few weeks. And something that I think is going to be very fascinating with this is that. I know that this wanted coming up about a week or so ago as to whether or not the guys are participating in the live golf course. Now, if those guys would be allowed to participate or not, well, it is called the open after all, and it is going to be open to everyone. Do you think that there's going to be a little bit of a motivation factor for either the guys on the PGA tour slash the guys on the live golf tour? Because I do think that this is going to be a little bit of an interesting rivalry that might wind up busting out between these two. Yeah, it is going to be interesting, and we just had that at the U.S. Open in Boston uh, a week and a half ago when um, they, they said they were allowed to play in it, even though they had just announced they were going to live tour. But obviously, since then, we've gotten more and more players that are leading. Um, I actually thought some of those players would have played better at the U.S. Open, but you know, I had taken Dustin Johnson as a top ten pick, thinking that you know maybe a little rivalry chip on the chip on the shoulder type thing would work, and. I mean, the, the British Open, the Open Championship is, is a whole new ball game um, out there. I'm, I'm going to be eagerly watching the Scottish Open that's coming up, which is now a sanctioned PGA Tour event and unfortunately will not have any of the lid players in it uh, because it is now a PGA Tour event. And you know, we'll see how people prepare at the Scottish Open. And, you know, the live players are going to be in Portland, which to me, you know, if you look, anybody who knows geography, you know, you're now on the West coast of the United States when obviously England's all the way on the other side. So they're going to be going even further. Um, and the advantage that some of the players have had of going over to the Scottish open a week early is not going to be the case for the live players. So it'll be interesting to see if the PGA players who get to play in the Scottish open first, get used to the links golf and whether they have an advantage over the live players who are not going to be allowed to play in that event in Scotland. 
And I'm so glad that you brought that up as well because you just take a look at what we've been seeing the last few years in general and a lot of these guys that they do wind up having a relatively solid showing in the Scottish Open. Maybe not even win outright, but they wind up getting like a top 10, top 20, something like that. You typically wind up seeing it translate to the Open Championship. How much are you going to be able to take a look at the Scottish Open, whether you're betting it or not? Because I do think that there is something to being able to take a look at how the guys wind up playing on that course because it's one of the closest things that we're going to find to the Open Championship because it is just so different from what you wind up seeing in pretty much all the other majors. It's definitely something I'm going to be paying attention to. Having having worked a lot of the uh, Open Championships in the past, I worked uh, four straight from 2008 to 2011 and, and got to play over there. It's a completely different environment. And you did see a little bit of it at the U.S. Open in Boston because it was a little bit of a Lynx course, but not to the degree that you're going to see at the Scottish Open next week where it's a true actual like link style course that will prepare some of these players. I think you do have an advantage if you get to play there. And I will be paying a lot of attention to the Scottish open to see how some of these guys play. And um, that's why I'm, I'm actually pretty glad the PGA tour decided to co-sanction the event because more and more players going to get the chance to play that unofficially in the past, but now officially to warm up for the open championship. And of course it being at St. Andrews, um, you know, the, the history there, the home of golf, uh, one of the easier open open courses compared to some of the others. That being said, if you ha- don't have a lot of experience on Lynx golf, it is a completely different type of, uh, of environment and t- different type of game that you have to bring. It's pay attention to the wind. You're going to get extra roll on the ball. If you get in the rough, you're going to be in trouble. So we'll see how people do play the Scottish Open, but guys who play well in – different varying weather conditions and keep that ball below the wind or guys I'll be looking at uh, come St. Andrews. And when it comes to just being able to gauge the open championship in general, out of all the, out of all the events, I always find that the open championship is typically one where most people like the most guys are a little bit more experienced guys that are making maybe their first, second appearance in the open championship. I noticed that those are guys that, a lot of people like to fade, but we did wind up seeing it last year with Colin Morikawa coming out. He wound up having an absolutely terrific Open Championship. How much do you wind up taking a look at experience in general when it comes to being able to handicap the Open itself? Because I find that this is one of the events that it is most important in. It absolutely is. And if you look overall at the champions of the Open Championship the last 20 to 25 years, it skews older. Uh, it skews towards the experienced player who has had experience doing this before in this environment, in this type of course, and it's not necessarily uh, a young American like Colin Morikawa. What he did last year at the Open Championship is not something we could have seen coming because he hadn't had a lot of experience. Young American golfer with not a lot of um, experience doing this, that just shows you how talented someone like him is, that he can basically win anywhere at any time. And he's the type of player that if you go back and look at the different events that Colin has won over his career, he's won them almost in his first time. He's the guy that can win. First time I played this event, can win in any way, and, and he's the guy that you throw all the all the charts out, out out the window because he can win any event at any time. But this course is this type of event is something that you do, as you mentioned, skew towards the experience to the players who have played it before. And and listen, every single event you can go ahead and chalk it down to ten different factors and and, and hope those factors come into play. But at the Open Championship, I do value experience, and I do skew a little bit older. That's typically, you know, you don't see a Darren Clark 
U.S. Open like you do an Open Championship like he did 10 years ago. So that's the type of player that can win this event as opposed to a young rookie coming out of left field to win it as we've seen with, uh, with PGA Championships before. Yep, even someone like a Molinari who a few years ago in 2018 was able to get it done. I thought that that was something that was intriguing to take a look at. And David, I know that you do a great job taking a look at a wide variety of things over there at ESPN Chalk. You've been doing a great job of taking a look at all things on the links this year. And I know that you're going to be getting geared up for the Open Championship in the next few weeks. Always appreciate the time on here, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. And, uh, have fun and enjoy uh, the golf coming up. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, and golf comes a little bit more to the forefront now because the NHL season, that has officially come to an end as Mr. Kale McCarr winds up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. The Colorado Avalanche wrapped this up right around 30-ish minutes ago. They wind up getting it done against the Tampa Bay Lightning by kind of 2-1, to one. so golf is going to be coming to the forefront. Hey, whenever we wind up getting a 4 the one event on the Greg Peters experience, we've got one of our good friends, Mikhail Miranda, always joining me for that, so going to be looking at a lot of ancillary markets now for the next few months. And on the markets that comes to the forefront right now, that would be the game of baseball. Coming up next, we've seen the Dodgers wind up being able to open things up in the 11th inning. I'll get you caught up as to what's happening in Atlanta. And we're going to turn it forward to what we're going to be getting with regards to the betting board for Monday. That is up next right here on The Look at on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with Heineken's 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Join in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com/slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken. Beer made better. 21 years or over to be able to participate. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, please do drink responsibly. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to David Behrman. Does a great job over there at ESPN Chalk. He joined me in the last segment. Took a look at what we wound up getting in the Travelers. Turned it forward to the U.S. O- or to the Open Championship, I should say, as golf. Going to become more hot and heavy the next few weeks. Going to be really interesting to see what sort of handle we wind up getting on these live events as well. As you've got the big division that is going on out there. And there is a divide as to whether or not you want another run or not in this game between the LA Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. Typically, you don't wind up getting an hour and a half through the look at with a live game going on. But you got that here on this Sunday night as the Dodgers are currently up by kind of 5-3 to three after Kenley Jansen did what he does best. Low saves in the ninth inning. And then from there, you have seen the Ghost Runner be able to really push up this total. You've got two outs in the 11th inning. You know, I'm taking the under of eight and a half. And I did. You need one more out here from the LA Dodgers. If you've got the over, you're really, really hoping for a hit. And if you've got the Atlanta Braves here, you've got Dansby Swanson, who's got a double digit amount of former. So we shall see how this one winds up shaking out. And it's always something that you fear with regards to a full game handicapping in Major League Baseball. Ghost Runner does wind up biting you in the butt when you least want it to, so it's always a pain of things. But one person that is going to be able to make it a little bit less painful, Sean's really, he's going to be joining me in the next segment, does a great job with the Action Network. We're going to be taking a look at Monday's slate and just a little bit of handicapping ins and outs with Major League Baseball with him as 
turning of the calendar has come through. Baseball is really the main day in and day out handicapping sport that you've got. I know that many of you guys do a great job out there in the WNBA as well, but certainly a lot of preparation for getting set for all forms of football at this time now that the NHL and the NBA seasons have both officially come to a close. But how about if we wind up taking a look at a fascinating American League game in 907-908 on the betting board, and this is by far the biggest line that we've got on the board. It is the Oakland A's on the road against the New York Yankees, and Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees, and we've got Paul Blackburn walking the plank for the Oakland A's, and there are some spots where you find the New York Yankees as high as a minus $3 favorite in this spot, and for the Oakland A's, it is a plus 250 price, and total on this game is an 8.5 with the overjuice. A lot of places anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115, and for Oakland, they wound up entering into the weekend 4-22 and 22 in their last 26 games, and hey, they've got a little bit of upward momentum because they have been able to win two straight games, and I rudely interrupt this update to or this preview to tell you that the LA Dodgers they close it up by a count of five to three. So if you wind up having the under, congratulations, you wind up getting the under that you so rightfully deserve. So that is now final. The Dodgers they get it done five to three, and Kenley Jansen blown save costs the Atlanta Braves once again. But that said, let's get back to Yankees versus the Oakland A's. But Paul Blackburn. I think that he gives the Oakland A's a shot to where they shouldn't be a plus 250. I recognize that it's a been a really bad year for the Oakland A's. And I mean, honestly, the New York Yankees find themselves just in historic territory where they do warrant these prices. This is a team that they've already been able to put together 53 wins this season. It's been absolutely ridiculous. But you know what else is ridiculous? What Paul Blackburn has done on the road. He's made five road starts this far this season. He's given up three earned runs. His ERA on the road is one. That is pretty darn good. Now, Paul Blackburn, very much a little bit more of a pitch of contact guy, a guy that gets right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. He does a good job of not giving up a lot of walks, but he is a guy that is going to allow guys to be able to hit the ball. I'm with the New York Yankees. And a guy by the name of Aaron Judge, who currently has 28 home runs. As a matter of fact, he and Anthony Rizzo have a combined 47 home runs thus far this season. And I just want to put this into perspective for you guys a little bit because these guys have been historically good. Meanwhile, with the Detroit Tigers, I believe that they've got this season something like a grand total of 37 home runs. They're averaging like a half a home run per game. It's been absolutely ridiculous to take a look at that thus far this season. But I think that that is just funny to say the least. But you've also got with this New York Yankees team, a lot of guys behind them. Labor Torres, John Carlos San. These guys are in between about a 242 of 250. Both of these guys have been able to give you a double digit amount of homers. You've even had Aaron Hicks, the much maligned Aaron Hicks. I know that there's a lot of Yankees fans that have not necessarily been the world's biggest fan of him, but he wound up coming up with a very big hit in that game against the Astros on Thursday. I believe that that was the three run shot that tied it up before that they were able to come back and win it. He's been able to get on base for this team. Certainly someone that is not necessarily the world's greatest hitter, but I mean, when that guy is like your eighth, ninth best hitter in the lineup, you know what? Things are going very well for you because Aaron X in the Oakland A's lineup would probably be either the number one or the number two featured guy because this is an Oakland A's bunch that among guys that have seen at least 35 at-bats thus far this season, they don't have a single guy hitting at 250, and that is the dice that you wind rolling with this Oakland A's team because they just have not been able to generate any offense whatsoever. 50 home runs in 73 games thus far this season. So 
Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge have three fewer home runs than this Oakland A's team as a collective. They're hitting a 211 as a as a whole. And when it comes to the Oakland A's, just has been a case of which they haven't been able to get a whole lot of upward momentum. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries all season long. Ramon Laureano is right now your tough guy at being able to get on base for this team. So it's a very dark and depressing just decrepit place for them in general. But you do take a look at the pitching of the Oakland A's, and you do have a couple guys out there in the bullpen that should be rested and ready to go and have been able to do a solid job. And A.J. Puck, along with Sam Mall, both of these guys have a sub-250 ERA. Domingo Acevedo did wind up getting used up on Sunday, but he's been able to do a solid job as well. So you do have a couple bullpen pieces that have been halfway okay for the Oakland A's. And then with the New York Yankees, they did wind up having to go to extra innings on Sunday. They did wind up having to use up Clay Holmes, Michael King, so that winds up taking the wind out of their sails. Wadi Peralta has been getting it a little bit more recently as well, so that is a little bit of concern that you've got for the New York Yankees. And when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of Jordan Montgomery, he's been a little bit better at home than on the road. And I talk about the command that you've got with Paul Blackburn. You've got super command when it comes to Jordan Montgomery. He's giving up right around one and a half walks per nine innings, so he has been very stout with that regard. But I do take a look at this situation and the Oakland A's certainly should be the underdog, but when it comes to betting on baseball, it's a little bit more of a long grind. This is not one of these sports that you want to be dipping in for like just two days and you dip in for two days only and then you wind up going out for another month and then you wind up dipping in for another two days. You want to be sort of taking a look at it every single day, even if you're not like firing in on every single game. And I mean, if you're new to it, I certainly would not encourage you to fire in on every single game, every single day when it comes to Major League Baseball. But I would encourage you to stick with it, be gauging some of these trends day in and day out, be at the very minimum, if you're not betting it every day, just taking a look at the teams, being able to watch a few games, try to get a little bit more of a feel for it in general, so that way you're able to ease your way into it a little bit more because baseball, it is going to be here for quite a while. We know they call it the October Classic for a reason, so I do think that that's very important just with regards to a general baseball handicapping perspective, but being able to get a plus 250 here with the Oakland A's, that does wind up appealing to me a little bit, and when it comes to this total, it's a case with the Oakland A's. you got to think that they're going to be able to shape up a little bit more in terms of the offense. I am willing to take an 8.5 over because I do think that the Yankees, they are also going to be able to get to a guy in Paul Blackburn that you got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of regression with them on the road. So I'm seeing positive progression for the Oakland A's bets, negative regression with regards to pitcher, and I see a little bit of value when it comes to the plus 250 price on the Oakland A's. I do think that it is very important to just take a look at baseball betting and always be keeping in mind units because I just wound up giving out something in the Oakland A's at a plus 250-ish in which do I think that the Oakland A's wind up winning this game like north of 50% of the time where you would, if you're betting on a minus 110 spread, that 52.38% threshold is what you need to be able to break even. No, but when you wind up getting a plus 250, if you wind up hitting that in four out of 10 bets, trust me, you're going to be a very happy camper there. And I do think that it is so important when you wind up betting on any sort of money line sport in general. This applies to hockey, which that season just wound up coming to an end about an hour ago as well, that you do wind up keeping in mind that it's all about the units at the end of it all because you're going to notice that there are teams like the LA Dodgers, for instance. They've got very much a winning record right now. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. But if you bet on every LA Dodgers game coming into today, despite the fact that they had won the top win percentages out there in baseball, I believe that they had won, if you look at a percentage-wise, right around 64% of their games 
coming into today, you would have still been down money. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Baltimore Orioles on a night-in and night-out basis, you've actually done quite well on them. So I do think that that's something that is just so important to emphasize. The juice that you wind up laying slash you wind up getting on these bets, it is very important when it comes to Major League Baseball and a man that knows this and a man that does a great job of being able to take a look at the game of baseball. That'd be Sean Zarillo. We've got a pretty solid slate of Major League Baseball for Monday. We're going to be talking about that with him. And we're also going to be trying to get a few handicapping angles that he's taking a look at as well. So that is going to be coming your way on the look at with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on VSIN, Esports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsim.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the bets and the money are moving for every single game? The betting splits page it is updated every 10 minutes, so that way you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on... <clears throat> Excuse me, find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just doesn't match up on the public opinion. You're able to check out not just today's action, but for future events as well. Betting splits is another way that VSIN is here year-round to be able to make you a smarter better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VSIN.com as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our guest as Sean Zarill. He does a great job over there at the Action Network, does a great job. Take a look at the MLB and also some UFC. You're able to follow him at his name, Sean Zerillo. Last name is spelled Z-E-R-I-L-L-O. And Sean, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Greg. It's been a, it's been a bit since I was joining you on the podcast regularly, so nice to join you on your show here on VSIN. Great to have you aboard tonight. And we were just talking about this a little bit off air. The fact that one of the biggest things with regards to handicapping baseball because there's more people getting into it now that the NBA is done, the NHL is done. It's not just handicapping the games game in and day in and day out, but recognizing that it's a grind as well. Taking some of the bad beats, you wound up having one on the Atlanta Braves. I mean, I can go to my one on Tuesday with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Chicago White Sox under that winds up not hitting because you had a 4-2 game throughout the ninth inning and then you wind up getting two runs. And just how important is it to recognize that it's a grind and not try to wind up being select and just being like, oh, I'm only going to bet like one day a week in Major League Baseball and either being just in or out because I think that that's just so important with regards to being able to gauge a sport. Yeah, and we both bet at high volume too. So considering how many times we're putting down our money, 
getting these sub three to five percent outcomes late in games. Uh, the Braves, I believe, were 97, 98 percent to win heading into the ninth inning, getting to two strikes and two outs in the ninth inning with nobody on and a two run lead. You have to imagine they were probably 99 percent. But when you're placing hundreds of bets a week, bad results like that are going to happen. So when you get them again and again over a two week period and it just gets to the heart of your soul, it could definitely be painful. But, you know, at some point those runs are going to come back in your favor as well. And you have to appreciate the good runs while they're happening, because then when you do get the negative variance, it's absolutely soul crushing. But there is so much more variance in an individual baseball game as opposed to, like I typically say, a football game where you get events playing out, you know, in, in different fashion as you do in a baseball game with these head to head matchups, batter versus pitcher. And then anything can happen. You could drop a pop up that looks like a routine fly shortstop could throw the ball over the first baseman's head and score a couple of runs. It is an absolute grind. And because of that, you just have to stay focused and focus on your value. Yep, I am right there with you. When it comes to Major League Baseball, you're going to have some weeks where you cannot miss to save your life. You've got some weeks where you wind up putting in the correct handicap and you can't pick your nose. So it, it always winds up working out that way. And then it's all about what you wind up doing in the middle because you've got the good runs, you've got the bad runs, and then you've got to sort of where it's a little bit more leveled off where you're not necessarily getting unlucky. You're not necessarily getting a whole bunch of luck as well. It's important to just wind up saying relatively even keel. And when it comes to Monday, a little bit of a smaller slate than what we typically wind up having in baseball, just nine games. But I do think that we've got a couple fascinating ones and it's always interesting to go to Coors Field because we wind up just getting done watching the Braves and the Dodgers game. Now the Dodgers, they wind up having to go on the road. They have to face off against the Colorado Rockies and they're finding themselves as one of the biggest favorites on the betting board right now. I'm finding them in a lot of places right around minus $2. And I'm not sure if you've taken a look at this angle, but I always do wind up downing grading teams just a little bit when they do wind up coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. I don't know if there's anything of that nature for you with regards to your handicapping, but that's always something that I wind up taking a look at personally. So I think the bigger factor for me is how hard the Dodgers just pushed their bullpen in this series. Obviously, Gonsolin gave them good length tonight, but... They weren't even expected to use greater all tonight, and they ended up having to use them in the 11th inning. That bullpen really got taxed this weekend, especially against Atlanta. And Colorado actually used Austin Gomber for a few innings today to alleviate their own bullpen. So I think Colorado may actually have a bullpen that's in a bit better shape for that matchup because of how deep the Dodgers had to go into their bullpen tonight. I believe David Price was the only arm even available left to pitch. I may end up taking the Rockies here. I projected that line at about plus 170, it's currently sitting as high as plus 180. I want it to come up just a few cents higher to about plus 185. And typically with the better teams like the Dodgers, you do end up seeing that overnight steam. So if I wake up tomorrow and the Rockies are a little bit higher on the money line, I'm definitely going to jump in, I said, around plus 185. Hey, Sean, ironically enough, I need at least a plus 184 to take a shot here on the Colorado Rockies. So we are right in lockstep there. So I'm in agreement with you. I do think that Got to downgrade the Dodgers just a little bit with regards to that bullpen use. And when you get totals like Coors Field, I mean, things can get very haywire there. As right now, we're seeing most of these totals anywhere between about an 11.5 to a 12. I think we've gotten up just a tad bit too high there. But with that yeah, said... Yeah, wind blowing in as well. And I actually took the first five under. The first five under, six and a half, was just a touch high for me. I projected that closer to six. Left the full game under alone, I said, with the bullpen issues. But do like the first five under with that wind blowing in. Yep, I am going to be looking at... If we can wind up getting more 12s coming onto the board because this opened up at 11.5, I'll be taking a look at it under myself. And I do think that what we're going to be getting in terms of this Rangers versus Royals game is relatively interesting as well as 
got a Royals team that they're coming off of losing a pair of games to the Oakland A's, and it has not been going well for the Oakland A's this year. Going up against Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers. Perez, he's given up two runs or fewer in 11 out of his last 12 starts. Earned runs, I should say, and right now you're finding the Texas Rangers anywhere between about a minus 129 to a minus 135 favorite. I'm not sure about you, but this just seems a little bit low on Martin Perez, the way that he's been pitching, especially with Chris Bubich. We're going to call it what it is. He's got a 741 ERA right now, and it has not been a great run for him. I left the full game line alone, but I did bet the Rangers on the first five line. I think I took minus 145. I projected it closer to minus 160, so I wouldn't go much past minus 145, but I am with you on Perez. I think he's still a little bit underrated, pitching much better this year. Ground ball rate has climbed back over 50%. I think he's throwing his sinker a lot more than he has in previous years. He went back to the Rangers, and they kind of fixed his pitch mix back to where it was when he was previously with them. Also changed the shape on his breaking ball, so... Perez still seemingly underrated by the market. I tend to bet him from start to start at the moment. I'm not sure that's going to last forever, though. Yeah, and he's the Rangers, by the way, are actually 9-1 and one in Perez's last 10 starts. So they've been able to do a great job whenever he's been going to the mound. And how do you wind up gauging some of these guys that have, for lack of a better term, had a career renaissance like a Martin Perez last year? With the Boston Red Sox, he was so bad that he wound up getting relegated to the bullpen. This year, he has been lights out. And then you wind up seeing other guys like a Lucas Giolito, for example, who year in and year out, he's been relatively solid. This year, it's been going horribly wrong for him, and he's going to be on the bump on Monday, by the way, for the White Sox against the LA Angels. But how do you wind up gauging some of these guys in general that they're playing either way above or way below what they typically do for their career? Well, certainly you have to look at their velocity baselines. With Giolito, his velocity has actually fallen off a bit. Noah Syndergaard, who he's facing, his velocity's tumbled quite a bit as well. But Giolito, relative to last year, his velocity has definitely been down a couple of ticks in his past few starts. So that always stands out to me when you have a guy who's normally throwing in the upper 90s and then it comes down to the mid-90s. You have to dock them a little bit, particularly if they're ERA indicators. Now for Giolito, his, I believe his expected FIP and his Sierra are both roughly in line where they were last season, but his expected ERA is much higher in the mid to high fours. An expected ERA amongst ex-FIP, Sierra, I prefer expected ERA because you are getting that stack cast batted ball data incorporated. Whether the pitchers are getting barreled up, I think is a bit more important than just looking at their strikeout and walk numbers and their home run to fly ball rate or home runs per nine innings rate, which is not really captured by expected ERA. So taking that into consideration with the batted ball data, I think Giolito is getting hit a little bit harder this year. And frankly, watching his starts too, I definitely see him getting the benefit of some good umpiring or I should say some bad umpiring, but some good umpiring in his favor and getting some ball and strike calls that most pitchers wouldn't get. So Giolito has definitely been downgraded, and Martin Perez has certainly been upgraded. You look at all three of the expected indicators I mentioned, and he has vastly improved year over year. So we're definitely at a point of a season where I'm going to trust the underlying expected indicators more than I do my preseason projections on these guys that I had coming into the season. Yep, I'm in agreement with you there, and glad that you pointed out Giolito, who's seen a massive dip in his velocity, and we've got about a minute left. Is there anything else with regards to the betting board for Monday that you've taken a look at, and whether you've fired on it, or you're just taking a look to see if we wind up getting a line move that might become a play for you? I bet the Marlins at plus 120 for the full game, plus 110 for the first five innings. The Cardinals always struggle more against righties as opposed to lefties. They kill left-handed pitching. That goes back to last year, but more league average against right-handed pitching, and even though Pablo Lopez throws his changeup a ton, he actually is a normal splits guy and is better against righties. And then Oakland, I assume I'm going to be on them in all three games of the series against the Yankees. This line is just way out of black. 
Paul Blackburn is actually a pretty solid pitcher himself, but plus 260 on Oakland is absolutely outrageous. You can even get some plus two and a half on the run line out there at around minus 120. So Oakland across the board, first five at full game, definitely bets for me. Yep, I don't blame you there because with Oakland, if you get them north of plus $2 in all three games in the series, they go one and two, you actually make money. So there's that reasoning for that. And Sean, I know that you do a great job over there at the Action Network taking a look at the game of baseball. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Anytime, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Sean does a terrific job of being able to take a look at the game of baseball. And coming up next, we're going to take a look at a lot of games for Monday on the Diamond right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.